Today, we will be speaking with Greg Eden. He will get us started with an introduction, then we'll jump into the talk about options trading. Enjoy. Yeah, my name is Greg Eaton. I'm uh, an associate professor of finance at Oklahoma State University. I've been here since 2016. Uh, prior to that, I was at the, the University of Georgia, which is where I got my, my PhD in finance. Um, I was, was there for five years. Uh, prior to that, I, I uh, worked for a couple of years in industry at a brokerage house uh, called Edward Jones Investments. They're uh, headquartered in St. Louis. I was in the, the retirement planning department there in, in St. Louis. Um, prior to that, I, I went to University of Missouri for my, my undergrad, um, going back about 15 years now when I graduated um, with a, a bachelor's in, in business administration and, um, and finance. So, uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Um, yeah, since, since I've been at OSU, I've, uh, um, you know, been been working in research and, and finance and financial economics um, in a couple of different areas. One is more like a financial markets focused, um, uh, studying things like uh, market market microstructure and stock liquidity and and um, and um, more recently took an interest in in retail investors and, and how they trade in, in both the stock market and, and the options market. What changes have you seen in retail option trading over time? Yeah, well, so we we, uh, we look at trends in uh, in retail trading and and, and this this recent paper that I have with my my co-authors uh, Clifton Green, Brian Roseman, and and Jan Ben Wu. Um, we find a, a pretty big increase in in our proxy for for retail option trading. Um, something like a you know three to four times increase uh, in, in retail trading activity just over the last few years, um, and and both just in, in the option volume by retail investors and then also their their share of um, of overall option volume. Yeah, we, we our sample period that we analyzed stopped um, in about. Uh, I think about mid 2021. So, uh, you know, our sample period includes the, the peak of the the pandemic, uh, and, and um, you know, it's retail trading has, has cooled off a little bit since since that peak, but it, it still appears to be um, elevated pretty drastically compared to just a few years uh, before. Yeah. What are the most important concepts for retail investors to know about options trading? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a it's a good question. It's uh, uh, there's there's a lot to know. I mean, option trading is uh, probably not something that you 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 want to do if you're if you're just getting started out because uh, you know, there's a lot of risk involved and and you can you, you can you can lose your money if you're not careful. Um, so I, I mean, I guess if if I was a you know you know put my Retail investor hat on, um, you know. I and this is something that that a lot of finance uh, academics would say, and, and some in, in, in industry as well, is that uh, you, you maybe maybe start with uh, uh, if you're if you're new to investing, maybe, maybe start with uh, a diversified uh, portfolio um, of, of different asset classes like stocks and 
and bonds, and then, and then maybe some some alternative investments as well. Um, and it's probably best to invest in more passive oriented funds um, because uh, there's there's some research suggesting that the active funds don't uh, don't do so well in generating uh, performance, after, especially after considering fees. Uh, but uh, you know, if 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 a person is interested in investing in in options, uh, first off, I would say that probably not the best idea um, unless you really know what you're doing to to have a large portion of your portfolio in, in options because again, it's it's risky, um, and it's probably best if you are doing any option trading as a retail investor to to I mean to think of it really more like uh, gambling, um, and, you know, unless you're doing more advanced things like um, hedging or, or things like that. Um, but if you're just, if you're just getting started and, and again, you have maybe a little bit of money that, that if you know, you can lose it, it's not going to make or break you then um, anywhere further than the option market, then um, you know, what, what are, what are some things to know? That's, that's maybe a, a roundabout uh, disclaimer, but what are, what are some things to know? Um, I mean, first off, where to trade. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to trade options now as a retail investor than it used to be. Um, you know, most of the online brokers, you can you can do it. They, they, they typically will ask you to fill out some sort of, uh, you know, risk assessment, some sort of form um, to, to check that you're, you're competent. And, and this used to be uh, um, more stringent. Now, my understanding is it's fairly easy to to get approved to trade options. That's step one. And then, and then uh, you know, what do you do from there? Um, well, I mean, maybe first off, basics. You know what? You know what is an option? It, it's the it's the uh, an option is a is a derivative security, so a derivative of, of underlying like like a stock that uh, gives you the right to to trade that stock, uh, but you're not required. Um, and the, the option contract uh, is states um you know what price you can trade the underlying stock in and uh and then um by what date you, you can trade an underlying stock so so maybe add a little more context there so there's two di different types of of options there, there's call options and put options um if you're if you're buying a call option you're you're making a bet that the this underlying stock is going to go up in value if you're buying a put option, then, then you're pessimistic on the stock and, and, and thinking it's going to go down. You're going to make money if it goes down. So, so for example, a call option. Say I have a, a call option um, on on a stock that uh, that you know that that expires in a month. So, um, so say for example, we have a call option on a stock. Uh, and you have the option to buy the stock at twenty dollars, and you have sometime between now and a, and a month to do that. If the stock is currently trading at $15 and, and it never goes up above the, the expiration or the, the exercise price, which is 20, then you, you don't make any money and, and your option expires uh, worthless. On the other hand, if you buy, you know, again, if you buy a call option and the stock for, for the exercise price 20 and the stock price goes up, say it goes way up to 25 bucks, then you're 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 really happy because you 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 bought a you know you bought a uh, an option to get the stock at a price of twenty, but it's actually a twenty five dollars stock. So you you just made a uh, five dollars per share. 
um, oftentimes option contracts are in uh, are in increments of 100 shares of underlying stock. So one option contract would would give you 100 shares. So so once maturity rolls around of the of the option in this scenario, uh, you, you get 100 shares uh, of the stock um, at 25 bucks, even though you you essentially paid 20. 20 to get in. So you're really happy. Of course, there's also an additional option price that you have to pay in order to, to have this, this option to, to, um, you know, buy the, buy the stock. What are the risks of option? Sorry, let me rephrase that. What are the risks of option trading and how are these different from other forms of trading, such as buying and selling equities? Yeah. So, uh, options, are, are typically have a you know high risk high reward. Um, they're essentially uh, like leveraged bets on on the stock moving. And again, if you're buying a call, you, you're you're betting on the stock going up. If you're buying a put, you're betting on the stock going down. Um, so that the payoffs um, are are much more uh, volatile. So. So, for example, say you say uh, this is the scenario we just talked about, where you you buy a call option that expires in a month with an exercise price of twenty bucks. Let's say that that it, it costs you, um, say five dollars per share to to um, to buy that option. That's that's really that that the option price that the, what it costs to buy the option is is really um, what your what your investment outlay is. So again, say the option price costs five dollars, and again, it's oftentimes common where the each option contract is going to have a, a hundred shares um, underlying the option. So in this scenario, if, if it's one option contract and and um, you're paying five dollars per share to buy the option, then you you basically have five hundred dollars at risk. And uh, if you know if if the call you know goes up from there, then uh, you know you can you can make some money potentially. I'm not sure the stock price goes up from there, or the option price goes up, then then uh, you can make some money. You know, say say that the 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 stock does well and the call option goes up in value, um, and and you have a say it goes up to seven dollars and fifty cents in value, for example, just hypothetically, then you just made uh, you know two fifty for contract times that by hundred, you just made two hundred fifty bucks. And 250 bucks in a $500 investment is is a is a pretty big return from a percentage standpoint. On the other hand, if if the if the call option doesn't go up in value, or the call option the stock price doesn't go up in value, say it expires worthless, then then you just lost your $500 investment. And and that's just for one option contract. Say say you know say you buy you know three four five of those, that then you're you know, say you buy five of those instead of one, then your initial outlay is. Twenty five hundred bucks, and again, if that if that expires worthless, then then you lose your entire twenty five hundred bucks. So there's just um, the 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 payouts um, are just a lot more volatile. You you can get a a much higher percentage return than you can compared to investing in stocks, but you can also uh, lose your entire investment. So um, sometimes we see, especially the retail investors, um, sometimes we see that retail investors like to play around in options or trade in options because it's it's kind of in some ways like um, there's some similarities with gambling. Um, you know, it's a, some say it's like a lottery, like, like buying a lottery ticket. Uh, you know, there's a there's a small chance that the stock price or option value goes way up in value and you can make a 
a huge payoff. On the other hand, if if things if it doesn't go up much or if it goes down, then then you uh, you know you, you lose your entire your entire investment. What are the most typical trades that you see retail investors making? And in answering this question, you can talk about like out of the money, in the money, uh, like beta, alpha. But if you're going to like mention like out of the money, like please explain like what that is. And um, so, yeah, like, you know, you can you can go more in depth, but please make sure like clarify like the different topics that you bring up. OK, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. So and uh, in, in this recent research paper that I, that I mentioned earlier, um, we, we do study uh, on average anyway, um, the type of an options that retail investors like to, to trade in. Um, they, they tend to buy calls, at least in our sample period, they tend to buy calls much more than, than puts. Something like two-thirds of, of the of retail trade tends to be in call options. So again, call, if you're buying calls, you think the stock is going to go up in value. So it tends to be like bullish or, or optimistic um, uh, positions. Um, the retail investors also tend to to trade in uh, short dated options, so one that that have a, a, a short maturity date, may, maybe expire in a week, for example. So you know, options can expire in a few days, or they can expire a few weeks, or they can expire even months from now. So there, there's all kinds of different maturity dates on, on how long until the option expires. Uh, our analysis suggests that retail investors actually um, really like buying the, the short dated options that they mature um, within within a week or so um, which is a little bit interesting it's a little bit different than historically we, we've, we've thought of option traders maybe just option traders in general maybe like professional traders as well as as trading options that that trade um you know maybe at a little bit longer horizon so it's interesting that retail investors at least recently tend to really prefer these uh, options that expire in a short amount of time um, like a week or less um and we, we talked about moneyness a little bit in your question they also tend to retail investors also tend to uh, prefer to buy the the out of the money options so so what's the out of the money option um so, so maybe let's if i can bring back the example i had earlier again say you buy a call option that has a exercise price of twenty dollars um and, and expires in a week if, if the stock price is currently trading at say $19, then that's considered to be an, an out of the money call option because the stock price is currently below the exercise price. And, and if that option um, expires uh, to the, you know, if, if, that's, if that's continues to be the case when the option expires, then the option expires worthless. So that's an out of the money option. If the, for call option, if the stock price is, is below the exercise price. The exercise price, just just to be clear, is the the, the stated price on the option contract that, that you get the the stock price at. Um, so if if the stock price is, is below the option exercise price, then you just you just walk away and that option expires worthless. So then you, you lose what you you pay to buy the option, but you don't lose anything further. Um, so in the money option in contrast. So there's out of the money and there's in the money. Um, out of the money for call option is, is when the stock price is below the, the, the exercise price. If the stock price is, is above the exercise price for a call option, that's considered to be 
and uh, in, in, in the money option. So as, as it turns out, um, retail investors tend to prefer the, the out of the money options. So the out of the money options, especially if they're short dated, then uh, you're basically making a, a, a pretty big bet that the, the, the stock price is, is going to go up above the exercise price and, and or at least go up in value. And, and if it does, then that option price is going to go up by quite a bit too, and, and you're going to make a fair amount of money. Um, there, there tends to be more volatility um, with these out of the money options, especially the short dated ones. So it's, it seems to be more of like a speculative trade than trying to make a bunch of money if, if uh, there's a big jump up in, in the in the price. Yeah. So from what you just explained, I feel like these are trades that are on the riskier side. But mm -hmm. is there a way for options traders to make quote unquote smart trades? Um, well, I, I mean, you know, yeah, the, the smart is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, kind of subjective, but I mean, is there, is there less, is there less risky option trades? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the most risky ones are the ones I just described the the out of the money short dated ones, because those are the, the, the high volatility and the payoffs they are likely to actually expire worthless and you lose everything. But if they do, if they do hit, there can be a big payoff. Um, uh, you know, what the, what are would be a little bit less risky might be ones that are maybe longer dated or or and or in the money um, that 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 gives you uh, you know maybe more time to hit um, that in the option price that, that what you have to pay um, might vary as well. Um, um, there's also different option strategies that uh, involve. Um, maybe combining multiple option positions or maybe combining an option position with the, with the stock position. And again, this is getting more advanced. So somebody who's just starting out uh, investing, or if you're just starting out investing, again, you probably shouldn't be trading in options at, at all. But 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 uh, um, if you do, again, it's it's good to think of it as as, uh, as something that, you know, is, is more kind of like, kind of like gambling where, it, you know, unless you really know what you're doing. Um, but some of these option strategies you can take advantage of. Um, for example, somebody might might have the, might own the underlying stock. So say say for example, you have the you own the stock for for I don't know for Disney. Disney is in the news today because um, their CEO, their old CEO Bob Iger is coming back. So so say you you own a call option, or sorry, sorry, say you own the stock in, in Disney. Um, and say you, you you like Disney long term and you want to continue to hold it, but maybe there's some information, maybe there's some event in the short term, maybe an earning announcement or something like that that has you a little bit concerned about what might happen to the stock in the short term. Um, one strategy you you could do is to buy to buy a, a put in in. Um, in Disney stock, maybe a put that expires in a couple of weeks, maybe or maybe after the the upcoming event, like the earnings, earnings announcement that you're a little bit worried about. Um, so effectively, what that does, this strategy is called a protective put. Effectively, what that does is it it um, it mitigates your downside risk because uh, if the because remember, a put is if you buy a put, you're making a bet that the stock is going to go down in value. So, so basically, if you buy a put and you still also have the the stock, 
then these two kind of these two things contradict each other. But the stock is going to make you money um, when it goes down. Um, but but if, if the stock goes down in value, you're going to lose some money in your underlying stock, but you're going to make some money in the put, so it evens out. So so basically, um, you're you're mitigating your downside risk because the put is going to help uh, um, hedge or offset. Um, you know the, your your underlying stock, and and then remember, you know, with the options, if, if say that the put goes up in value, or sorry, say say the stock goes up in value because uh, it goes up in price, then your your um your put just expires worthless, and you just lose what you pay just a fixed price, but you you still have that upside potential because you still have underlying stock. So if you have this st stock paired with the put, you still have the upside. You're just mitigating your downside maybe for some some event coming up so and that's just one strategy there's all kinds of different strategies that you could do where you can combine different option positions combine option and stock positions and 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 you know that that's that would be an example of maybe something that's a little bit um you know less risky and, and one thing that's nice about options that if you know you know if you're if you know what you're doing is they can actually be used to mitigate risk that, that's an example right that you're mitigating your downside risk by by pairing a put with with the stock. Lastly, what has been the impact of this increase in retail option trading on the general option market? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Uh, that, that, our my research uh, looks at that a, a little bit, uh, or yeah, we, we look at that a little bit. Um, our research suggests that. Uh, the retail investors and in options market are, are now are now important enough and now trade enough that that they can actually uh, move the option prices um, pretty significantly, maybe as much as maybe as much as ten percent or more when when you know when if they're not if they're not there as a counterfactual. So so basically, what we do in our paper is we we look at what happens um, to to retail trading and the option markets. Uh, during uh, retail broker outages, like say that Robinhood is, is is offline for an hour because of some technical difficulties, um, we look at what happens to option markets when the retail investors go away. And the idea is, well, maybe this is a gives us an idea of, of the impact that retail investors have on the option markets. And we find that um, that you know when, when they go away, uh, the you know the the volume um, you know significantly goes down. In the option markets, and and also the um, the option prices, which we which we proxy for using a, a term called implied volatility. Um, um, maybe that's a little bit too much, but basically, you know, more more simplistically, we find that um, the option prices like or go down when retail investors are unable to trade, which would suggest that. When they are there, they're they're uh, they're driving option prices up, um, perhaps even away from fundamentals, because we also do some analysis studying whether um, retail investors in option markets, at least on average, tend to be informed, and and we don't find much evidence that, that at least on average the retail trades are informed. So if they if they are significantly moving prices, then perhaps it's actually being moved away from fundamentals, which is pretty interesting.